Well, hello everyone. I'm Alvin King, host of He Said, He Said, He Said. A look at the world from a seasoned black man's perspective. It's Friday, November the 3rd, and welcome to our new show. Hello again, good people. Welcome again to a new episode of He Said, He Said, He Said, a look at the world from a seasoned Black man's perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, is it cold enough for you on the East Coast? I mean, the weather did a 360 on you and had all of us grabbing our coats and scarves. Welcome again to a new episode of our show. Tonight, our show, Behind Our Eyes, we have Dr. Cordell Adams, He's with, uh, here with us tonight, uh, Chief uh, of, of Ophthalmology he, in, in Dallas, Texas. We'll tell you more about Cordell, but he's here to talk to us about our eyes, ladies and gentlemen, which are very, very important to us. Also, and we see you, that's right, our, our fantastic financial guru, Randy, uh, is back with us tonight, and we cannot wait to talk to Randy. Um, well, let me see. What, what's going on? Okay. November is National Diabetes Month, ladies and gentlemen. You know, that is very, very important to me. I am all about, you know, uh, the, the awareness and making sure that we educate people on the importance of diabetes and everything about it, which makes tonight's show so important, ladies and gentlemen. And we will talk to you more about that. Also, what's happening right now, tonight... The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is about to make history. Four of my favorite, favorite singers of all time are being uh, honored or uh, being inducted. Willie Nelson, who I love. Sheryl Crow, who I love. Missy Elliott is making history as the first female rapper to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And we cannot forget George Michael. I mean, uh, one of my favorite concerts of all times. If you can catch it, it is on tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Please tune in because I know I will. I want to see Missy Elliott uh, make history. And last but not least, I want to make sure that you all don't forget that this weekend, time falls back. That's right. Daylight saving times kicks in. I thought they were going to get rid of it, but they didn't. But anyway, um, look forward to some earlier sunlight, uh, you know, after Sunday. And at night, it's going to start to get dark about 5 o'clock. And you know what happens after dark. Well, if you don't know, after dark is when I bring in my guys, ladies and gentlemen. So if you all are ready, let's get on with the chat. I about to say, you know, the freaks come out at night. <laughs> 
I was like, what happens at night? He's like, you know what happens in the dark? I'm not like, what? Vox said it. They're here. They're here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Oh, my Lord. How are you guys Friday. doing? Jeez. Oh, my gosh. Doing so great. I hope you guys had a great Halloween. I had kind of a momentous experience. What happened oh. to you? Well, uh, you got more well, tricks staying. than treats. Pardon? I said, I'm sure you got more tricks than treats. No, I only see you on Fridays. So, oh, uh, <laughs> but we, uh, leading up to Halloween, you know, where I'm staying, there's a, you know, I, I, it's a great house to have kids come up and trick or treat. And mm -hmm. I told the people, I'm like, look, y'all sit there to give out the candy, but I'm going to sit right here because I'm going to scare the kids when they came up. And there was a group of kids that came up and, you know, they saw, you know, uh, they saw where the candy was, mm -hmm. but then I screamed, boo. And I scared this girl so bad that she had to like take a moment and like bend over to like really collect herself. And when she stood back up, she said, you scared me. That was good. Are you proud of yourself? You, right, right, no, right. I'm afraid because the way she said it was like threatening. I'm afraid this child's gonna come back and get me. Well, I'm telling you this: if I don't show up, like, there's a little black girl in this neighborhood okay. who came and got me. She's like, and you obviously never saw that movie, The Bad Seed. In my you neighborhood, never saw that little girl. In my neighborhood, something. She would come back. Okay, okay. In my neighborhood. Hey, Willie, how you doing? Uh, Willie's here. He said Missy Elliott is just magnificent. Magnificent. She has lots. A lot so so much and lost so so much weight that yeah. he didn't recognize her. Yeah, yeah, yes, she did. Yeah. Yes, yeah. she did. And I, I I think she's been uh her health has been she's had some health challenges, right? She's had some health challenges, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, you know, guys, I, I wanted to share something with you guys because I wanted to get your opinion, and especially you, Bobby, because okay. you are um I, you're in this field. But okay, this week, well, on yeah. in February, a Florida team. A Florida teen beat his teacher unconscious for taking oh. away his Nintendo and has oh, now wow. pleaded guilty to the felony charge against him. We have a video because I want to show you all what the teen did or you know to to this teacher. I just wanna yeah, I just wanna I think see, see this. You see that? Yeah. What? First of all, mm -hmm. and he lost his pants, but let's talk about that later. Well, right. Um, I, and I wanted to talk about this because there's a lot of flack. First of all, this student is named Brendan Deppa. He faces 30 years in prison for the brutal beating of his uh, teacher. Um, and her name is Joan Nadich. And people are upset because Miss Nadich is refusing to help this teenager get a lighter sentence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she said that she's glad that it's gone viral because it's bringing the attention to the physical healing and disruption of everyday life that mm. this has called her. Um, what, what, what do you guys, after seeing that, what do you feel about that, knowing how these students are in school right now and the things that teachers face almost on a daily basis? I, I think it is horrific um, in any way, shape, or form to see someone attacked in that way. My first question is, in all honesty, is whether or not the student is um, a student with any kind of learning challenges or, or, or mental you know, disabilities, because um, if a child or a person has certain challenges and you take something away 
too quickly or respond too quickly, they can sometimes be triggered and, and respond in tragic ways. I don't know if that's the case, but but he did not. He, he did not. not he okay. did not have. He was just angry that she took no. it and didn't give it back to him. That's that's very unfortunate. It's yeah, it's tragic that a teacher would have to endure that endure such physical. Yeah. 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 Um, Bobby, first of all, I mean, you are our resident educator. You are in the trenches all the time with the students. And although I har harass you all the time about everything else about who you are, I think that I would like to show you love about what you do with children yeah. on a daily Amen. basis. Amen. Amen. You know, I Amen. think you are an absolute angel of a human being. And thank you for everything that you do with kids. Thank you, Bosh. I appreciate that. Well, yeah, you know, right. it, it and, is. And he really means it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really do. It really does. For now, thank you very much. And I, I accept that on behalf of so many people who are trying to make a difference in the lives of young people through education. And um, it is not an easy job for a variety of reasons. And in and, and, and many instances, it is due to children who are not necessarily being supported in the ways that, is ne that are necessary for them to be able to come to school, um, able to focus, able to, to not have to worry about external uh, variables and so forth. And so teaching, keeping kids engaged, moving them forward academically is, is a huge undertaking. Um, after the pandemic, there are many educators who are not interested in actually even coming back uh, to, to work. So it's, yeah, so it's, 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 um, it's an often thankless uh, occupation and career, underpaid in many instances, um, and yet never more important, the education of young people moving forward. So on behalf of all the educators out there, thank you in all seriousness for that. And, and my heart goes out to the teacher who had to endure that type of physical um, altercation. Well, With that said, and me giving you accolades, I would like to make a comment. Please, quickly. <laughs> <laughs> This is a reflection of the parents. Raising children does not mean getting them old enough to send them to school, to put them on someone else to raise them. You are supposed to make sure that your child understands what it means to hear no, what it means to be able to process their emotions, how to read a little bit, how to understand letters, et cetera, et cetera, before you release them onto the world. I understand why this woman is like, nope, not doing anything. I need people to understand if your child shows up, and does something crazy because you have not done your job as a parent at home, there will be consequences. And I hope that whatever happens results in them going after the parents who did not do a good job raising a child to put them out into the world. I'm gonna say amen, amen, amen. And ladies and gentlemen, that was a Vosh PSA. Okay? <laughs> okay? And you all need to hold on to that. Thank you guys. I really, I just wanted you all to see that because that kind of got to me and being That's who disturbing I know, to see who, that. I know who you guys are. I just wanted yeah. to talk about it. So yeah. if you guys are ready, you know, we need to talk about our eyes tonight. Okay. Let's do it. Let's see that. And, and, and we got Dr. Cordell Adams here to do that. So if you guys are ready, I want to go ahead and introduce uh, Dr. Cordell Adams. You guys ready? Yeah, yes, absolutely. All right, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Cordell Adams is a board certified practicing ophthalmologist and currently serves as chief of the ophthalmology department at Baylor University Medical Center at Baylor Scott and White Healthcare Systems in Dallas, Texas. In his solo practice, he offers complete medical eye evaluations and SEP specialty training in glaucoma. He is a multi-recipient of the Physicians Recognition Award from the American Medical Association 
a diplomat and fellow of the American Board of Ophthalmology and received the Quest for Success Award for one of the top eight businesses in Dallas, Texas in February 2006. For his personal interest though, most notably, he is a best-selling award-winning author for his debut, debut novel, novel, excuse me, Lightbread, loosely based upon his real-life maternal grandmother who is the best mix of wit, wisdom, and nosiness. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the He Says stage, Dr. Cordell Adams. Hey. Houston, Houston, we have a problem. Yeah, let's talk about something different for a quick minute. Cordell is having some technical Cordell. issues right now. Cordell. Yes. You know, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, Cordell, Dr. Adams is yes. actually in D.C. He's on the road. And yes. he's, he's in a hotel, and so he's having some, some technical hey, difficulties. Hey, Sean. Yeah. Hey, Blue. <laughs> hey, hey, Willie. Thank you guys hey, for Mitch. joining. Hey everybody. Well, they're talking about that 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 student. Um, they they talk. Blue said, um, "Agree, Vos. My mother swore that if she ever had to come to my school, Maybe. it would not be nice." Well, not those mothers are pretty. extinct. Those mothers are extinct. Because <laughs> most of so. them want to like, come fighting. Yeah. I mean, because now it's like the parents, the kids who are the parents now, or the people who are the parents now are the people who had the school called on them. And they mm. always said, if the school calls on me, I'm going to come in there and I'm going to cuss them out. And that's who's showing up. And mm. it's right. like, the school is not filled with people who have things out for your child. The school is filled with people who not only have your child's best interest, but every other child's best interest at heart. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You got to show up as part of a village and a community. Yeah. And if you cannot do that, then you need to be thrown in jail. And I will show up to that trial. Hmm. Well, you know, and, and again, I said something in conversation that made me think a little bit more about these parents. And, you know, I'm not hating on you, parents, but a, <laughs> but, but a lot of you, a, a lot of you, first of all, and I think Ask Alma said it best, you think your kids are cute. Not everybody <laughs> think your kids are cute. Okay. So, so you, you know, that was to you, Ask Alma. I just gave you some credit, girl. So, um. <laughs> So yeah, and and I think that that's where the problem starts. And the parents come, you know, believing their kids, and their kids are just, oh my God, just terrible, terrible kids. I don't even know how to say it. And they're terrible at home, but the parents don't want to pay attention to it. So it's in the school, and it's just crazy. So um, you know, so you know, I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, while we are waiting for Dr. Cordell Adams to come. We're gonna go. To, we're gonna go to our next guest, who, and because he's having some difficulties, and we're gonna. If you guys are ready, can can we bring you know Randy uh, Jones in, and we Absolutely. can talk about you know. So let me go ahead and introduce Randy Jones. If you guys are ready for Randy Jones, Randy okay? Jones, Randy Jones. <laughs> this is live TV, ladies and gentlemen. This is how it works. And th this is how it works. So we're gonna talk about some financial matters that we wanted to talk about last week, but Randy is here with us today. Randy Jones is a wealth management advisor and financial growth with financial growth partners who has been in the financial services industry for nearly 30 years. His personal mission to give an, ex to give an experience so in incredible that you forget about the transaction. To teach is better to give than to receive. To become what I dream about. To appreciate life and live in the wild. Mr. Jones lives his mission daily by helping families build legacies with the goal of being able to answer the question, if money weren't an issue, what would you do for someone else? Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Randy Jones. 
Hey, Randy. And look at he was waiting. To, uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, this, this is a show for the guards. Because I tell you, Randy, look, Randy, there you go. There you go. <laughs> as many times as I've been on with you guys, and hopefully it's not too bad of an echo. I'm so sorry I didn't hit the mute, but you blew me away with the intro. So thanks a lot for it. Oh, you, you, oh. hey, look, you're, you're the man, ladies and gentlemen. If you've never met Randy Jones, you in for a tree. Okay. 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 Randy, thank, thank you for joining us. So, yeah, we're going to get on, you know, thank you for being ready and ready to go. So, let's get on yeah. with it. Absolutely. We are happy to have you back with yeah. He Said, He Said, He Said. Always good to see you. And I want to start off because obviously uh, wealth management advisor, it's something that sometimes people think they know what a wealth management advisor does. Um, I'm always one of the school of thought. Let's find out what you do and what you don't do. So in 90 seconds, we're asking you to tell our audience, what does a wealth management advisor do? Well, I can say it probably really quickly and succinctly. A wealth man. Um, management advisor manages everything that sort of money touches. You will sometimes people will work with a financial planner who just puts a plan together. You might work with an investment advisor who just talks about investment or an insurance uh, advisor who just talks about insurance. I'm sort of like a uh, comprehensive advisor. There are a lot of things that people talk to me about from getting out of debt, buying homes, cash flow management, starting companies, buying and selling companies, investing, insurance putting the kids through school and a whole lot more. So pretty much everything that money touches, mm -hmm. I have a conversation about because I think a lot of times people get advice in silos and um, telling, giving you advice. Sometimes when people will say, where should I put my money? I said, it just depends on what the rest of your money is doing. So a wealth management advisor looks at the total picture and gives you a comprehensive um, point of view or advice on where you're going. And it's really goal focused. Mm -hmm. Okay. okay. Nice. Right. Thank so you. You mentioned that it all, you know, your advice depends on what people want to do. And they're right. Advice. Yeah. So if, if I set, come to you and I set a goal with you and a direction for us, how do you identify when I am moving away from either what my financial targets are or my financial goals are? How do you tell? And then what do you do? I think a lot of times when people come to me, they initially want to have a conversation about money because I often say wealth is hidden in the words that define it. And so people will come and say, hey, I'm trying to do X, which which relates to money. And I think sort of like a doctor, I dive a little bit deeper and understand why is it that you want to invest or why is it that you want to buy real estate? And then I can then tell them, well, here might be a better solution. And when we're meeting, because I have regular meetings, quarterly meetings with my clients, and sometimes whenever they need me, they just call me. And they might say, I have an idea for doing this. And I say, okay, well, let's evaluate that idea against what you said you wanted to accomplish. You said you wanted to go to Europe, but you're buying plane tickets to Las Vegas. You know, now I don't know. We don't have a connecting flight there. I don't know if it's going to get you there. I think my job is to um, explain to them the different outcomes, make my clients aware of their choices so then mm -hmm. they can choose the path that they want to go on because people's lives change and so do their goals. So we just measure them, whatever they own their mind or comes into their world against what they said they want to have happen. So it sounds to me that you have kind of a judgment-free experience with your clients where you're like, look, if this is the train that we said we're going to go on, I now see that you are on a flight 
to Fiji. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not judging you. That but you ain't gonna reach your goal. But I'm telling you that I'm waiting over there. here for you when right. you're showing up. I think you know a big thing about it, you said judgment. I often tell people the number one product that I provide is trust. Mm. And um a lot of times people, when they come into, I often talk, call it the, the wealth paradigm, they initially come in with fear. They're afraid, of, am I going to waste their time? Am I going to take their money? Am I going to tell them something that they already know? Am I going to, you know, down or, you know, judge them? And truly, what I say is what we're really going to do is have a conversation about who you are and where you want to go. Mm. A lot of times people often tell me, we didn't grow up talking about money. Mm. So then I say, how about we talk about it? Mm-hmm. And because I think the conversation is more than the outcome as far as the product or the program. Who are you as a person? And truly, what do you want to be remembered for when you're not here to tell your own story? Mm-hmm. And I say, how about we build a plan around that? Mm-hmm. So, you know, Randy, hearing you say that, and I hope this question in my mind, it fits into this. How do you change the mindset of somebody who, you know, who's listening to you and feel like, well, you know, I don't have a lot of money to go mm-hmm. to Randy. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm, they think that you have to be wealthy to get a, a, a wealth, fi- a, an advisor, a financial advisor. Well, the how first word change- is wealth. <laughs> well, how do you change their mindset? A lot of times my clients say to me, I feel like I'm taking the blue pill when I'm meeting with you, Randy. And um, I think. We have the blue pill, like the Matrix. From the oh, Matrix, okay, red okay. pill or the blue pill, yes. You crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like the what? The Matrix album, the Matrix? No, it's the Matrix, I got it, I got it, I got it. I'm sorry, Brad. <laughs> but but I, I think um, uh, you made me lose a question again. <laughs> Tell me the question. So how do you change the mindset of people who, um, who, who says that they, you know, they don't have a lot of money. So why would right. I need a financial advisor? So, so a lot of times people come to me and say, hey, I need to get my money straight first before I come see you. And I say, no, you need to come see me to get your money straight. That's almost like being sick and saying to your doctor, I'm going to get a little bit better before I come see you. That's sort of crazy, right? And so <laughs> I think the way to change in the mindset is having a different conversation. They come in thinking that we're going to talk about money. And then I talk about on your last day here, is it your money that you're going to talk about? Or is it going to be the people that made a difference in your life or whose life you made a difference in? And they say, yeah. I said, we got four assets in our life. We have our physical assets. This is our health and well-being, our intellectual assets, our memories and experiences, our ethical assets, our belief systems, mm-hmm. and then our material assets. If we had a choice and we could only keep three out of the four and had to give up one, which one do you think everybody says they would give up? It's material. material. And I said, so it's not your money that you want me to help you with. It's the other assets that you want me to help you grow. And when we have that quick conversation, that creates a paradigm shift in their mind because they say, yeah, this is what I really want to do. Okay. Well, thank you, Red. So, okay. So how do you ensure your client is making sound and beneficial financial decisions? Um, You know, I mean, it's sort of like a, a physical trainer. I can't make you do all the things that I tell you you should do. I can just tell you if here's what I recommend based on what you say. I mean, it's almost like if you ask a person, well, how do you make so-and-so type of cake? You know, they say you get butter, milk, flour, sugar, and everything. You say, well, should I put vinegar in it? You'd be like, well, I mean, I guess you could, but I don't think nobody else going to eat it. You know, I don't think you'll eat it. You know, because if you do that, here's what the outcome looks like. Yes. I think a, a lot of times, my clients uh, look for leadership. 
When I first became an advisor, I presented myself as the hero. I can save you. I can fix this. I can give you this. But then over time, maybe, you know, 15, 20 years into the business, I realized it's not me who I really want to be the hero. It's you. I'm like Mr. Miyagi, you know, I'm going to teach you how to wax on and wax off so that you can truly become the, you know, the, the hero in your own life and the hero in your family's life. So I think if I measure about, you know, measure against what you're doing and showing you the possible outcomes, then you choose. And my goal is just to say, okay, you can continue to be the hero. Interesting. Uh, Randy, next year, because uh, we just celebrated Halloween, next year I would mm -hmm. like for you to show up as the financial hero because, one, I would like to see you in a cape and tights. So <laughs> we... <laughs> wow. will you do that for us next year? Wow. Hero. Show up as the financial hero. <laughs> that, is, that is not what you came on this show for. <laughs> you deserve better. Randy, Randy. You deserve you know, better. Randy, okay. You... Well, if, if I can put the S on my chest and it be a dollar sign, I'll do it. Come this on, is what man. I'm saying to you. Like, communicate your own. He is, he is a rogue co-host that just goes off script and just goes... <laughs> Where he wants to go. And he was branded oh right Lord. here on where? He right. said. Oh, Lord. He said. Uh, yeah, he exactly. Because exactly. we want merchandising rights. Don't. Okay. <laughs> Bobby's, not, Bobby's saying what he's saying now, but when the merchandising rights come okay, through. Okay, okay, right, right. Right. Randy. All, all Randy, the way, Randy. All the way back Randy. to Randy, because you'll need an advisor. Okay. Randy, 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 you deserve okay. better. Let me ask you. So you talked about trust <laughs> as mm. being one of the essential ingredients in, I guess, a successful relationship between right. a wealth uh, management advisor and a client. Tell us what other attributes or skills, I guess, do you bring that add value to the experience and the lives, financial um, profile of your clients? I think it's experience. I help a lot of business owners run their companies. I believe the business owner is a cure for the economy. They have knowingly or unknowingly decided to be the solution and the provider for more than just their family. They provide for other people's families. And so I bring my experience. I can honestly say, and I think that's probably a big attribute in my conversation with my clients is being able to say, you know, um, the first 10 years of running my company, I really sucked at it, you know, because I was sort of doing a trial and error. I didn't have anybody to teach. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when I'm having conversations with my clients and they're telling me we're thinking about doing this or we're thinking about doing that, I mm -hmm. can truly say, well, you, you don't want to buy that building because here's what can happen if you buy that building. Mm -hmm. Here's how you need to hire people. Here's how you need to fire people. You know, I've had a guy teach me when you fire people, you need to position it in a way that you're freeing them to go be who they want to be. They just can't be it here. You know, and so I think <laughs> truly. <laughs> yes. And given I, the I, days I, in which I, we live and people coming back and shooting you when you get fired, yeah. that's what you want to do. You want to send them off with yeah. a smile on their face. So I, I, I think, you know, real life experience you know I've, I've taken tons of courses and certifications and everything like that i got the whole alphabet suit behind my name but i mean nobody goes to the doctor and says hey bring your degree in here before you check me out right. well not necessarily really... right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well you know i think it's really just having the type of conversation everybody can sort of pick up on bs and they can sort of pick up on you know a genuine person and i think yeah. you know um being able to share my experiences being able to tell people I didn't always do the right things with money really opens up the conversation or, you know, the, the air for dialogue where people can be honest and open and then I can truly help them. And I think people are skeptical sometimes when generational wealth is not necessarily a part of their 
experience um, as a first right. generation, you know, college graduate myself. You know, I did not have I had parents who had tremendously good intentions and gave right. a lot of love and so forth, but did not have a whole lot of experience with savings and other aspects aspects of investments and wealth management. They just did not have that experience. And so they were not positioned to really kind of help and offer that to me. So I just think um, for many people for whom wealth, generational wealth is also not a part of their experience, it can be a, a bit of a challenge. You know, I think um, one thing I want to make mention of is you hear generational wealth and leaving a legacy. It's like taglines. It's all over social media. I often will tell people, look, generational wealth and financial planning is not a product it's a process mm -hmm. the goal is not to create a million dollars to leave to somebody to spend but to teach them the how teach them how to fish so to speak mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. i often say the difference between wealthy people and everyday people isn't their money but the way that they think about their money so that you first have to change the way that you think about your money the, a lot of the information out here is has people chasing rich versus pursuing wealth and I think that's the hard part about it, having a real conversation to say, let's think differently about our money. Let's create a process that not just works for us today, but works for everybody else tomorrow and in the future. Somewhere mm -hmm. in the Bible says, I go before you to prepare a place, which means we have an obligation to leave a path for other people to follow. Absolutely. Yes. I think. Yes. Yes. Thank you. See, Randy gives y'all scriptures too. Okay, I'm telling you. So you y'all need to contact him, Randy. Can we put your email address up there, Randy? Can we do that? Yeah. Can we? My new email address. Everybody, because I've been growing my brand, Randy at realrandyjones.com. Come oh, on okay. now. Okay. So is like yes. Wait a minute. You said Randy at therealrandyjones.com. Randy at real. Oh, Randy okay, Jones. okay. Because I just gave my producer uh, some uh, some inaccurate. I put Z in front of it. Okay, mm, okay. But it, it's Randy at realrandyjones.com. Yeah, because I think more people need the truth. More people are spending ninety five percent of their time focused on their money mm -hmm. when they want really want to spend ninety five percent of their time focused on living the life they've always wanted to live. So what yeah, I do is turn your money into a system so I can free up your time to live the life worth living. Come on now. Y'all better call him. Hey, thank you. Oh, keep, go ahead. I'm sorry. See, look, I'm getting ready to pass the plate so I can collect some money. Okay. <laughs> well, because these truths are, are real regardless of your uh, religious or non-religious affiliations. Right. Right. These right, are things right, that right. are essential to do for uh, the longevity of everything. And mm -hmm. I think that that's yeah. really important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just dovetailing on what Bobby was saying, which is, uh, you know, we may have been given certain tools and we hear mm. in, you know, the cosmos certain things like generational wealth, et cetera, et cetera. For the people who are watching, listening, et cetera, what are some of the signs that we should look for in our own lives that would suggest that it is time for us to get in touch with a wealth management advisor like yourself? Yeah. Mm. Yes. If you feel like you're always in debt and you can't just get out of the cycle, that's the first thing. Okay. If you feel like the more money you make, the less money you have, that's a, a great sign. Okay. If you feel like, you know, I feel like I'm running out of time and I need to have a conversation with somebody, that's the time. You know, if you're doing a whole lot of research, you're listening to what everybody says, but you don't know what's the right information. Because I often say there's more information about finance. I 
out here to create financial maintenance and financial freedom, just enough to keep mm. everybody going. If you feel you don't know which way to turn, that's the time to have a conversation. Everybody's giving you advice on what you should and should not do. I think it's really good to get professional advice. There are a lot of financial gurus out here, mm. but not a lot of financial professionals. So I think that would be a great time to have that type of conversation. And it's just a conversation. Nobody should be charging you just to have a conversation. I know I don't. Well, I love the guru versus the, you know, the, the expert. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Randy, look, thank, first of all, thank you for being that person. You, you know how to ebb and flow. Randy, we have to turn the show around, <laughs> but thank you for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, we put his, um, his email address up, uh, Randy at realrandyjones.com. I mean, literally, I know this guy. We know this guy. Yes. And do. you guys need to give him a call. Get, you know, I know some, I know two people, I think, who, who tune into the show have contacted you since you've been coming on here. But yeah. you guys, please call Randy because he can definitely help you change your life. Hook so, you up. Yeah, yes. yes. So <laughs> thank you. Well, Randy, please don't, we're going to bring you back at the end of the show, but thank you. Thank you for, for joining us tonight as always, my brother. And can I say happy new year? We haven't <laughs> seen you this year, right? Happy new year, right? I was about to say that when I first came on too. I was like, happy new year. I was like, I don't know, but you know, hey, <laughs> thanks. We, we, <laughs> I'm, glad every, I'm glad everybody made it. Yeah, we, 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 we are here. Well, stay tuned and we, we will definitely bring you right back, Amen. Randy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So thanks for being so flexible. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank Vash about, you know, baby, we, we should wear some really good wigs because we be flipping this live show flipping. around. Like, <laughs> like, like, but ladies and gentlemen, um, again, we had some uh, uh, technical difficulties earlier with our special guest, uh, Dr. Corder Adams, but he is back. And so if we're ready to bring him up, I gave him that wonderful introduction. But ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> please welcome Dr. Cordell Adams. Hi, everybody. Can you hear me? Yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> we, we decided to move some things around. You know, you got to go uh, rig some things around. You know, yeah, come on, some come buttons on, in different places to make them work. Come on, so, doctor. Thank you, thank you, Cordell, for being here, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, the only person busier than him is uh, Biden, and so I'm so glad that that, that you are here. And you know what? Real quick, while we got you, Cordell, I want to just give you a couple of seconds because I want people to get to know who you are. If you could take or tell us three words that would best describe Cordell Adams. Oh, wow. Oh, man. What would those words be? Three words. Oh, Alvin, you know, you put me right on the spot, but I'm trying to think about words for me. Well, I can think um, of three, but go ahead. You know what? I, I can tell you this, though. Um, I'm passionate. Uh, that, that's the best thing I can absolutely know, that when I'm into something, I'm into it, whether or not it's medicine, whether or not it's people, whether or not it's making sure I come back on this show after technical difficulties. <laughs> Whatever it is I need to do, that I was yes. actually signed up for something and I was going to make it work. Uh, so that, that, that came to mind right off the bat. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I, I would say, um, I'm not going to delve in all this. I heard some of the other stuff, but I am going to say spiritual mm. because I know in terms of where I am. Of course, we all grew up, grew, up, I grew up in East Texas, so we know about going to church, going to church, going to church, but... I'm not so much, uh, it's not the religion part, it's what I got out of it. And so I know that who directs my feet, who guides my feet, what I'm supposed to do with my feet. So uh, I'm going to say spiritual. You'll kind of get that uh, when you come to me. Uh, um, I, or at least I think that's from my personality. Mm -hmm. um, third thing. All right. Um, let's just say I'm dedicated. 
Um, when I um, I keep absolutely looking at this to make sure it's right on camera, but I think dedicated to what I uh, commit to, dedicated to my relationship, dedicated to my profession, dedicated to my uh, interests, my arts. And so um, I don't think that uh, I'm a bad person. So I think that all those kind of traits actually make me stand out for me anyway. Well, um, I mean, I, I'm kind of, I wouldn't say friendly because, you know, I don't think I talk to people. I don't have a personality. So uh, I won't <laughs> even throw that as a fourth one. So, all right, that's kind of it. Well, people look, are please. literally writing people, in and saying, "Yeah, I'm writing in and saying about, about you." Okay, people are. Who, who was Integrity that? Integrity was one that I saw. Integrity, uh, faithful, and always truthful. Says someone wrote viewers. you more than five dollars, so I think you should work that out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, and, and you know, real quick, we some people have joined because we're going to get on with our interview. But Sarah, Sarah Shaw, thank you for joining. I don't know who sakar 97 is but thank you because you must know cordell jw richard and Absolutely. kendall fisher thank you guys for joining us tonight thank you thank you thank you for our show behind our eyes so let's, get, let's get on with this conversation i love let's, it let's, let's cordell talk to us about you know you you said you're passionate dedicated all of those attributes and so forth what led you to a career in ophthalmology first and foremost Okay, you know what, Bobby, you know what, I can actually tell you this, that when I started my last year of college, I got a pair of glasses. That was the first time that I realized that I started having a little trouble at distance. Uh -huh. So when anyway, when I knew that I was going to go to medical school and I got my first pair of glasses, my very last year of college, during my first year of medical school, I had to, I had to you know, look through a microscope, do some cell biology. And so I figured I'd go get my eyes checked. Well, uh -huh. you know, when you're in medical school, you go to the ophthalmologist because that's part of the medical part. And in that ophthalmology office, you mm -hmm. know, you start thinking about third and fourth year of medical school, what careers you want to do or what profession you want to do. Mm -hmm. But I remember ophthalmology in terms of after you do rotations on pediatrics, you do rotations on obstetrics, you do rotation on all these things. You know, you got so many things you have to do before you pick your area. Mm -hmm. But nobody was unhappy in the ophthalmology office. So something told me that there was something there. What is it that I didn't see any unhappy people? Mm. And I suddenly realized that when you get to mix your medical and your surgical desires and you have a profession that nobody dies on you, I had to look it up. And therefore, <laughs> it has absolutely meant everything for me. I mean, there's certain things in medicine that I don't like. I, I'm not good at, uh, I remember a rotation that I did in terms of very first, one of the surgery rotations that the very first patient that I had to go see in, in surgery was dying of cancer. They mm -hmm. didn't survive. And I thought, I cannot do this. Well, you know, when you go into obstetrics, you have an office just full of women. You go into urology, you have to do mostly men and you're checking certain parts and and doing these kind of exams. And I just needed something that actually involved everybody. You know, everybody had to have two eyes. Everybody has a smile on their face when they can see better. So I know I picked the right area. Wow, that's Amen. that's wonderful. Thank Amen. you. That's really, yes, absolutely amazing. And that's why I'm a coach, because I want you to come to me when you want something better for your life, because I ain't trying to deal with the muck. <laughs> so I have wow. a question for you. You okay. are muck. <laughs> I was nice to you about you being a teacher. Okay, all right, okay, okay. all right, okay, 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 go ahead. All right. your so, doctor, yeah. doctor, first of all, thank you so much for being here. You are an absolute joy, and I know you, thank you. you've worked really hard to get back here with us. So, I want to get as much as I can from you. 
what is the difference between opt an optometrist and an ophthalmologist? We hear all those terms all the time. Please explain those to us. And you know what? It never stops. That, that question always, always, always comes up. I tell people when you absolutely go to most people, when they think they go get their eyes checked, most people do see an optometrist mm -hmm. and great profession, nothing wrong with it. You get to absolutely look at eyes. You get to diagnose vision problems. You get to correct them with glasses, contacts. But an ophthalmologist is someone who's gone to medical school and then actually can able to treat medically and surgically the eye. Optometrists can't do that. There's some areas that actually get into optometry and some of the rural areas that they have to do a little bit more than, than what probably what is called for mostly. But remember, optometrists don't go to medical school, but they are wonderful eye doctors, ophthalmologists, medical and surgical doctors for the eye. So when does someone, when should someone go see an optometrist versus an ophthalmologist? Let's say you go to get your eyes checked for the very first time. Your, your company provides you a vision plan. Your company provides you a medical plan. And you think, I need to go get some glasses or I'm not seeing well. Most likely you turn to going to an optometrist. Okay. If the optometrist finds something that they absolutely realize needs medical attention, surgical attention, they should prefer or refer you to the ophthalmologist. You don't always think that you need to go to an ophthalmologist when you think you need to get your eyes checked. But when you realize your benefits will allow you to see an ophthalmologist who can mm. give you a prescription for glasses, give you the prescription for contacts, treat you for the other medical conditions that are common in the eye. I say it could be a one-stop shop. Most optometrists, though, have a, a, at least an optical shop a glasses shop, but you know, you can get so many things now online that that may not be necessary. So as long as you just go to the eye doctor, we don't care. Too many diseases affect us. Just go get your eyes checked and let us actually from that direct you to where you really want to be or need to be. Amen. So I see Bobby every week. Who should I see okay. to correct that? Okay. <laughs> well, we are not being a psychologist or a psychiatrist for you right now. That's a whole nother matter. That's an addiction or either that's something that you need to work on that okay. I don't need to get in the middle of. I don't think it has anything to do with your eyes. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're oh right. my God. Okay. So, so Cordell, I'm going to bring it back to the serious part of this conversation tonight. Um, yes. Th there are two words that viewers I know like me have you know have heard glaucoma and cataracts and uh, and those are two main diseases that I think a lot of people here and they get scared of what is the difference between these two types of eye conditions okay I'm gonna make this really really simple in terms of at least people that are listening can actually uh hopefully they can get something about it Mm -hmm. Let's start at the very front. When you first look at me or are you turn on the side, the very first thing you see, I'm just going a little bit of anatomy here, mm -hmm. a little anatomy here. The first thing you see on the side is a cornea. That's that the clear like area that you see going in before you get to the colored part of your eye. Mm -hmm. But right behind that is the lens. And when the lens is that is what you're used in terms of for focusing that lens, when it gets spots in it, that's cataract. Now you go further back all the way to the back of your eye in terms of you've got an optic nerve that connects to your brain the way you're able to see in terms of from a neurological standpoint. So cataract, cataracts are spots in the lenses 
Glaucoma is usually a disease of the optic nerve, usually related to high pressure in the eye. Mm. So cataract is usually treated with surgery. Mm. Glaucoma, a nerve disease, is treatable, but it's not curable. You just want to make sure that you get treatment for it, but it's not really curable. You just always want to make sure that you absolutely don't have any further nerve disease or you don't get any further damage. So glaucoma, a nerve disorder, cataract, a lens disorder. Mm. Both okay. of them, huge, huge, huge vision issues. I'm going to go a little further. The number one cause of blindness in the entire world is cataracts. Not mm. everybody can get surgery for cataracts. Yeah. The number one cause of blindness in African-Americans is glaucoma. Mm -hmm. We have an issue with high pressures causing nerve damage. And therefore, in terms of we can absolutely make sure it's treatable, but that's why you see so many people from these foreign countries or third world countries needing cataract surgery because they don't have access to it. So mm -hmm. that's kind of the way we try to pay it forward. Let's go help somebody less fortunate than us by removing cataracts in these places. Mm. Okay. That's fascinating. My, my uh, Thank you. deceased mother was 90 some odd years old and had cataract surgery. And we were really concerned about it. You know, she would, she loved reading constantly. Uh -huh. uh, and yet, you know, they were saying she needed to have the surgery. And it was amazing how immediate, um, you know, the surgery was very uh, in and out. And, yeah. you know, the only thing that, you know, was I guess um, the procedure that was a bit of a challenge was making sure that those eye drops and all of that was, you know, that schedule was kept and so yeah. forth. But her vision but that, was that, that's typical though in the immediately. Right. Yeah, yeah, that, that is so typical. That's with anything. It's called compliance. You know, you yes. people want, you can have people on blood pressure medicine. They don't always want to take it. You have people right. on other kind of medicine. They don't always take, always want to take it. But there's something about preserving vision. You know, you think of all the senses you have: yeah. touch, yep. feel. Uh, hearing, uh, taste, smell, of all the ones, I'm not just saying this because I'm an ophthalmologist, but of all the ones that I do not want to lose, it is my sight. Mm. Yep. It's my sight. Quick question. Uh, are amen. there other things that are connected to our sight that if our vision starts to go, we should be aware of? Are, are we like prone to falling, tripping? Uh, are there any other things that we should look out for? Well, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, the when you talk about tripping and falling, whatever, I don't know if that's sight. You know, I get these uh, right. questions all the time right. here, when people get older and as you know, your your death perception is not quite as good as it was when it was younger. You know, a lot of these mm. patients have their children come in with them when they're 80 or 85 and 90 and says that uh, my, my, my mama uh, hit a mailbox or whatever. I don't think she'd be driving anymore. Or my, my grandmama ran in a ditch. I don't think she'd be driving anymore. Well, I run mm -hmm. into a ditch. <laughs> I hit mailboxes. It don't have nothing to do with my vision. It's just that I get you know, nothing I, about. That's just what happened. So I don't. You want could be as long as the vision is good and your perception and neurologically you're good. You know, it, it's all right. I don't want to be the one that stops grandmama from driving to Sunday school or whatever. Now, don't blame that on the doctor. You can do that as your child, as, as the children oh of these people, God. but don't put me on spot like that. Yeah. But you know, there's other things that you're talking about. You know, you mentioned the fact that you're, I don't know how much you've said about diabetes. But I was going to ask about that. Well, about we, yeah, yeah. That was one of the questions. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and if you were thinking about that, I, I was going to lead into the fact is that the other things that we have to watch, you know, we got to watch our eyes when it comes to, I'm thinking about the things that can affect 
uh, the majority of things that we come in contact with. Who doesn't have family members that are mm -hmm. diabetic? Who doesn't have family members that have hypertension? Every last one of those things can infect vision. So from a diabetic standpoint, it is, I say required. I know that when I see patients that they're sent to me from uh, medical doctors or family medical doctors, that they need their eyes checked once a year when you're a diabetic, just mm. to make sure that they're following protocol in follow-up. You know, mm. you can't be a diabetic and go get your blood checked once a year. You don't know what your sugar levels are doing or glucose levels are doing. You need your eyes checked once a year so we can look for things that diabetes will do, look for mm -hmm. things that hypertension will do. Mm -hmm. So not so much tripping and falling, but just the other stuff that we do have control over, the diabetes, the hypertension, et cetera. Wow. Well, you just you just answered a question that, that, that I had. So I'm going to jump down to the next question that <laughs> about, about how a person, you know, to support healthy vision, you know, as they become seasoned. You just kind of yeah. talked about that. But I'm going to ask you, Cordell, when should a person see a medical doctor versus an eye doctor to get glasses or contacts? Well, you know, we said uh, when they should see, you really don't know when actually, when you want glasses or contacts, mm -hmm. most of the time period, there may not be a medical issue with right. that. So I have no problem with it, people going to optometrists. What I like about that is that one, you're getting your eyes checked. You're going to a doctor. That says something about in terms of whether or not you want purple contacts, blue contacts, whatever, at least you're going to the eye doctor, getting something done. If they find something, then therefore, I think it's absolutely something that I would want if they find something medically, refer it out optometrist to the people that are best to follow them medically, and that would be the ophthalmologist. Mm -hmm. You use your medical plan to go see your ophthalmologist. You use your vision plan to go see your optometrist. Okay. Right on. I have a question for you. Sure. Um, as single gay men, um, who are, I believe, sexually active, there are supplements that help performance. Those things have a tendency to sometimes affect vision. Can you speak or address to cautions that we should exercise when using those things? Uh, you know, there, um, it, it, there are several medicines, just even not so much from a, a gay male standpoint that you're talking about. There's so many medicines right now that have on it the label of it do not take when you have glaucoma or do not take when you have high pressure or this medicine can cause vision abnormalities. Well, the point is this though, when you realize that those medicines, those side effects can do that, you don't, if you need the medicine, by all means, it's probably necessary that you take it. Antibiotics can cause vision issues. Blood pressure medicine can cause vision issues. But I think it's much more important that you lower your blood pressure for the run or the risk of stroke. And if you have a vision abnormality, then see the ophthalmologist. Don't not, I mean, I don't want you not to take the medicine because, oh, it can have eye side effects. Wait for those adverse, adverse effects to take place mm. or they may be so minimal. FDA, all the people that regulate drugs have to put on that label, can cause this, can cause that. Well, if it's 0.00001% that it causes it, I know it has to be on the label, but I don't want to have a heart attack. I'm going to take my blood pressure pill or I'm going to take my medicine that enhance whatever. Right. I've got to do those and then deal with the side effects later. And yeah. I don't mean the side effects. Most of them are reversible. But like I say, that is so rare. It is much more important for you to be on the medicine you need. Thank you. 
Dr. Cordell, you talked to us about, you know, the difference between an optometrist, an ophthalmologist, and so forth. But recently I heard someone having to be sent to a retina specialist. Now, would that be, would that fall under ophthalmology as, yes. as well? Yes. A, a retina doctor, uh, let, let's just, uh, let, let's do it the same kind of way in, a, in another area. You know, you can absolutely be an internal medicine in a resident to get your internal medicine degree. And then you further subspecialize, let's say into an area of cardiology mm -hmm. or to an area of rheumatology, all these yeah. other areas. Well, yeah. it's the same way with ophthalmology. You do your ophthalmology residency and you decide, I may want to do something further that is actually much more refined or mm -hmm. much more subspecialty. Retina is one of those areas. Okay. Cornea specialists, okay. retina specialists, pediatric ophthalmology specialist. But a retina doctor takes care of the back of the eye. You know, we talked about the little area of the cornea, yeah. getting to that colored part, the, the pupils, people's, uh, the eye color, and then the, the pupil, actually the little round center, whatever that separates that iris to the lens. Well, right behind the lens, everything we call that the back of the eye, the posterior segment, mm -hmm. a retina specialist takes care of all that. And so a lot of that are retinal diseases retinal detachments, retinal tears, vitreous hemorrhage, that jello-like substance behind the lens. So a retina specialist is really necessary when you have diabetes and diabetic retinopathy. As we mentioned, the type of when we said diabetes, how it affects the eyes. Mm -hmm. Diabetes can affect the eyes by giving retinopathy. That's one of the problems with it. It can give the eye, there's a swelling in the eye that happens with the blood vessels and that swelling can absolutely decrease the amount of blood supply decreased vision. You can even get cataracts quicker from having diabetic uh, from diabetes. Mm. You can get glaucoma quicker from having diabetes. These are risk factors with diabetes, but that retina specialist is further subspecialized to handle the medical and surgical needs of the back of the eye, mm. not the front. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Thank um, you. And, and First you of all, and you mentioned, you mentioned, you mentioned retina that can we talk about that God awful floater? That thing oh, yeah. that just appeared, you know, I can't stand someone it. Someone who, who, someone who shall remain nameless, has been complaining okay. about a floater. Okay, you don't want you, you don't want to know this, but you know when floaters are much more common. Floaters are much more common as we age. I said it. We get them because that jello-like substance in the back of the eye kind of pulls away from the edges, and then when it pulls with it, it pulls these little loose cells. So floaters can easily be related to age. Floaters can easily be related to some of those vascular diseases I was talking about, the blood pressure, hypertension, diabetes. And a lot of things happens in North Texas from where I am. Sinus pressure on an eye can bring a lot of floaters. That's right. yeah. So yeah. that's usually one thing that we have when, when it has nothing to do with age, but sinus pressure, pressure on the eyeball itself can bring about floaters. But floaters wow. are, you know, they, there's usually nothing to deal with them or nothing that we have to worry about too much. We worry about floaters mainly when it has, is a vitreous hemorrhage. We worry about it if it's, it's suggestive of a retinal tear that people watch for that or even a retinal detachment. But most yeah. floaters, you just got to watch them. They're, they're nagging. They get in the way. But, you know, just things you got to have. Got to have. Thank you. Really, really, really you quickly. You got to have them. If you keep living, as my grandmother would say, something going to happen. Because <laughs> we want to get to her. We want to get to your grandmother. But very, very quickly, what are your thoughts on LASIK and its seemingly drop-off in popularity? The newest, uh, I say drop-off in popularity, you know, you're probably right, Boshman, the fact of this. People, it, there was a study out that when LASIK was really, really, really popular, 
And everybody was rushing to see whether or not they could actually go get LASIK. Yes. The increased amount of glasses being sold skyrocketed because people were really going to get their eyes checked to see if they, they thought they had a little vision problem. They thought they were going to get their eyes checked. Oh, I want LASIK. They didn't, may not have qualified for LASIK, but they qualified for some better vision. So more glasses were sold just as much as LASIK was actually being done. Mm. From a LASIK standpoint, the latest things, I can't say when it's dying off in popularity. I think that people are being, it's a wave. You and I both know, you see a lot of ads right now. People are loaded with these gorgeous glasses. They're buying glasses all over the place. Glasses shops are popping up online. What I know I want of every pair of glasses, you know, that I can absolutely sport periodically. So therefore, you know, it's sometimes you want this look, you want that look. And I didn't know you didn't ask this, but in a minute, see, I'm going to need my glasses, you know, just for the sake that I don't need LASIK. I think I look a little bit more intelligent with glasses rather than with LASIK. So I got them ready. You but glasses, are but from a LASIK hilarious. I love it. LASIK wise, whatever is useful for people that actually have trouble either with glasses or wearing contacts. They want better vision. So there is a still a need. It's just not a push as it used to be. But therefore, but there's so many different kinds of LASIK. LASIK is always with developing. It's yeah. that way that you do that refractive surgery to correct vision where you don't have to wear glasses or at least less dependent on glasses. Mm -hmm. Ideally, there's an age category that's good for it. But you, what you want to do is to see whether or not you qualify for LASIK. People come into the office and say, I think I want to have LASIK. Well, there's too many things you got to do to make sure your eye is healthy. You got to have mm -hmm. a certain corneal thickness. You got to have a certain non-other diseases going on in the eye. You can make sure you don't have cataracts that are really forming that give you a problem because there's no need of correcting the front part of your eye when you got back of the eye stuff that's giving you a vision issue. But you know, it, it, you just don't hear it advertised like it used to be. No. And the fact is, remember price-wise, remember when it was crazy amount of money, yes. money for yeah. $5,000 an eye? Then I think I saw an ad here recently that you can get each eye done for $2.99 each. So, I don't come think on I now. want a come on, come on. On my I, I, I don't think I want that. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Dr. Adams, Dr. Yes. Cordell Adams, ladies and gentlemen, first of all, if you don't know nothing else from <laughs> this conversation tonight, you need to go and get your eyes checked. Get okay. Your eyes and checked. when you walk up in there, you know a little bit more than you did before you walk through that Amen. door because Dr. Cordell Adams has told you all about that yes okay? yes what? thank well, you well i hope i educated you a little bit oh you did no i think you did a lot but but hold on we're not finished with you yet ladies and gentlemen we're going to go over just a few minutes because dr cordell adams has another facet to his life he has another piece of what goes on with him and mm -hmm. he mentioned his grandmama okay his book oh. light bread ladies and gentlemen he's going to read an excerpt from 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 light bread but we, we just have a couple of questions that we want to ask, you know, about Light Bread, which is Cordell's first novel. And it weaves a lovely story around the tumultuous 1960s in his creation of Viola Cook, a mm. brave black earth mother of wisdom, warmth and wit. But Viola has the strength of goodness and godliness to offer love, comfort to those in need, regardless of the danger she faces, regardless of the unrest in America, and regardless of the color of the many who depend on her. So, oh, ladies and gentlemen, 
Um, you know, again, we have some questions. Uh, Bobby and Vox, do we want to ask him this question first? I want him to read. You want him to read? I want him to read. You want him to read? Yeah, I want him to read. Cordell, if you are ready, we're gonna we're gonna let you he's gonna get ready, y'all, because hold on for one second. Who's who wait a minute, hold on. That is not us. That that, that is not us. That must have been the his his entrance. That was the fan. No, don't don't blame the fire truck and the ambulance on my entrance. No, you got warrants. That's all I'm saying. You better read this before they catch up to you. I better catch up to you. Y'all, you know, this was my whole thing. My my first book kind of took me by storm. It really I wasn't ready. You have to be careful when you ask God for a blessing or you actually ask in terms of may somebody be touched by the Absolutely. love of grandmother is the way that I was touched. I was not ready for book sales uh, the way they went. I was not ready for a uh, number one book selling status. I was not for, I'm even going to share this, getting ready for it to be actually probably being developed into a screenplay, uh, possibly with some other things after that. So wow. uh, you have to be careful. Like I say, when you ask God for a blessing, he just might give it to you. You just got to be ready for it. You got to be ready. So I, I got to put you in a little mood for, for light bread. You know, you cannot actually think about my grandmother in 1967, whether it's the start of the book, unless you put yourself in that mode. Okay. I'm going to show you a little bit, a little bit something about grandmother. I brought a little bit something just so you see that grandmother kind of had a little look to her. <laughs> grandmother had old duster, as you see, glasses walking around the house. But one of the things that I do know from grandmother, she would not be getting ready on this Easter Sunday morning that I know without getting her hair prepared. Yes. In getting her hair prepared, you and I both know that whatever she did, pin curls, whatever it was, <laughs> she put in her hair to get ready for Sunday. And on top of that, she probably put something on to make sure that hat, that head stays in place. Yeah. Come on now. This was my Come grandmother. On on that Easter Sunday morning that I know that she would be. I'm gonna give you a little bit of excerpt to set you the mood for light bread, to Come tell you now. a little bit about where she was. Now this is fictionalized because I had to make sure that nobody's feelings were hurt. <laughs> to start, Viola Cook, she kept her basics on her nightstand, her cat eye bifocals, a picture of her three children, another of her seven grandchildren, a sharpened pencil, her favorite writing instrument, a 19-cent Bic as a backup, and on top of that electric radio, lay her worn-out Bible. She seldom turned on the lamp since she preferred reading under the light attached with iron prongs to her wooden bed frame. Her wind-up alarm clock got little use. She often awakened by a tapping noise coming from the front of the house. Well, she opened an eye. The other remained buried in her pillow. That tap, tap, tap remained soft, rapid. I'll give you that little excerpt there to let you think about, hmm, what's going on? I'm gonna skip a little bit to the part in terms of how she snoops around her house. Come on. But after this now, I want to have the little conversation with her neighbor. Going back to reading. She was certain that tapping noise had begun at Loretta's house, her neighbor. So sitting on the edge of her bed, she dialed her neighbor. You know it's rotary. Loretta, did I wake you? No. 
Viola heard huffing and puffing through the receiver. Well, your light was on. And I can have my own light on in my own house anytime I want to. Can I, Viola? Loretta shouted. Well, I sure you can, but I just heard this noise. It sounded like it came from, won't you? Loretta paused between each word. Get out of my business. Well, baby, I was just concerned about you, Viola said calmly. Never had anyone 20 years her junior talked to her this way and gotten away with it. Well, don't waste your time because I'm fine. I can take care of myself. Now I got to go. Well, I'm sorry I disturbed. What if I was asleep, Viola? Well, like I said, I heard something. You know, you about the nosest woman I know. Seem like every time something happened to folk, you all up in their damn business. You just can't stay out of folks' lives, can you? I'm through talking to you. I'm going to keep the day holy, Loretta, since it is the Lord's day. At the mention of the word Lord, Loretta hung up. Well, ain't that something? You ungrateful little Viola slammed her receiver. Here she was being neighborly by checking on Loretta and the woman had cussed her out. In 20 years living beside Loretta, she had never been so mean and disrespectful. Why, just last week, Viola lit her a cup of flour. Well, now she wanted her flour back. <laughs> That's my reading. Oh, my. <laughs> Ladies, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling y'all. Oh, my please God. Please go on Amazon and get this book. No, only if you're going to read it. Okay. I'm going to buy the book, but I'm calling you and I'm saying, read that book to me. <laughs> You know, it's actually on audio, y'all. I must admit, it is on audio. I, I probably Are you reading it? took me by surprise. You know, you get asked sometimes. I was always told by one of my mentors when it came to to either a fiction writing or either those kind of writings that, you know, you actually want to engage somebody that when you go to these bookstores that I was on these book tours for two years, you have three options or whatever that you want to do. At least you got to do it. Make sure they get to know the author. Make sure the reader actually gets to know something about the book. But when you leave that bookstore, you give them a reading that they can't wait to go home and get started. Absolutely. On the audio version, are you reading it? I'm reading it. Ah, <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. You guys, yeah, have, in. You, you guys have to get it. Have to get can we bring Randy back to the stage? Um, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for you know hanging with us because we had some technical difficulties. But as you see, we do what we do. <laughs> And we do it, okay? We don't make no excuses. We get no. it done here on He Said, no. He Said, He Said, no. okay? We just have to switch it around. But um, ladies and gentlemen, this was a great show. Randy and, and, and Dr. Cordell Adams, thank you so much for being here. And I want to tell, or Vosh will tell you guys about next week's show, if you will, Vosh. Would you go ahead and give it to him? I am so excited. Next week, we have Walter Nagel coming back onto the program to talk about the new film that is being released, Rustin, about his partner, civil rights uh, pioneer, Byard Rustin. This film is coming out and ladies and gentlemen, not only is uh, Mr. Nagel coming back, but he's bringing someone else to come on to talk about the film. So we're going to be giving you an exclusive into the Rustin film more information into Bayard Rustin and everything that this film is doing to advance civil rights for LGBTQI people as well as Black people. It is going to be a fantastic show. Please join us here next week.
Do not Please miss it. Please tune in. And, and ladies and gentlemen, today, the film is in select theaters today. And on the 17th of November, it will be released on Netflix. But we'll have him here on the 10th. So tune in so you can learn more about it before you before you see it on the 17th. Yes, exactly. Um, but before we go, um, I'm going to give you guys our words of the week. But I want to take a, a quick second. Uh, let, let me give the words of the week. It is it's not what you look at that matters. It's what you see. And that was a quote by Henry David Thoreau. And that was because you were here, Cordell. We needed to make sure that, 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 we, that we say that. Um, I also want to take a minute, ladies and gentlemen, to thank you all so much for all your cards, your, gift, your flowers, your, your Facebook posts. My sister uh, was called home yesterday. She passed away yesterday. And you guys have just been absolutely amazing. Please continue to keep my family in your prayers, but I just wanted to go public and say thank you for all the continued yeah. love, yeah. okay? Yeah. Please, We're thank you so much. We're thank, thank you. you. Yeah. So thank you for this wonderful show. Thank you to our producers that hung oh in with us and, and all the detectives. <laughs> I'm putting them saying, we're going over, we're going over, we're going over. Thank you, viewers, <laughs> for coming on. Thanks, and guys. We look forward Thanks, to guys. you guys next week on the next episode of He Said. He Said. He Said. Good night, guys. What an incredible show. Dr. Adams is hilarious. I have fun. I have to use my right and my left brain. Those glasses alone, I'm telling you, I'm in. If you're reading that book, I am in. 